Hello and welcome to Happy Place with me, Fern Cotton. This is the show that helps us learn from each other's clever coping mechanisms. Today, the conversation I had with Tom Grennan at the Happy Place Festival in Chiswick. I love the ocean and waves come in and go out again. And sometimes it might be a rough wave. And if you can ride the wave, then amazing. But if you're going to get swallowed up by the wave, then allow it to swallow you up for a minute. And hopefully then you can pop your head back out and go, actually, I'm all right again. I'll hit the next wave when it comes. Tom sort of accidentally shot to fame as the vocalist on Chase and Status's All Goes Wrong in 2016. He tells us that really cool story in this chat. And he went on to have one of the best-selling debut albums of 2018. He's just released his new album, What Ifs and Maybes, which is so brilliant. It is full of absolute bangers. I love it. And his voice is exceptional. And it went to number one in the charts. He's done a lot of thinking recently about what he needs in order to stay happy and grounded when life's a bit of a whirlwind. More exercise and less alcohol seems to be the key for him. Okay, let me set the festival scene for you. (laughs) It was a really interesting day because we had, shall we call it, challenging weather. Uh, We were sort of ready for rain, perhaps. We only had a a couple of short downpours, but the wind was not our friend. We coped. It was fine. There was hair blowing everywhere. We had a mass evacuation at one point where a tent pole came out of the main talks tent. So we had to get the whole audience who were sat patiently ready for Tom Grennan and move them to the uplift stage, which was an outdoor area. I think personally it worked out better. We had a bigger audience because everyone could join in and watch, which was great. The sky was blue. It was windy. So we were sort of dealing with flapping tent tarpaulin and hair in faces and scripts going everywhere but you know what it was all part of the fun everyone was up for it everyone had a smile on their face and I just adored chatting to Tom it's definitely going to take a bit more than some dodgy weather to stop us having important conversations here at happy place this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I cannot wait to relive the amazing energy at the festival. Here's the chat and here's Tom. Shall we get out my next podcast guest? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I've never interviewed him before. We've met at a charity festival that he sang out for us, a Copperfield event, Festival event. But I haven't yet interviewed this man, so I'm very, very excited. Please, everybody, give it up for Tom Grennan. Hi, guys. Tom, have a seat. 
By the way, this festival's amazing. Oh, I walked so in, and everybody's on like yoga mats. I'm like, this is the kind of festival I love. <laughs> it's wind. It's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> For anyone who's listening to this, who's not at the festival, anyone who's listening back to this podcast, just imagine the worst winds ever and trying to do a podcast <laughs> and that's where we're at but you have valiantly stayed with us today and i'm so happy you're here i'm so happy i'm here too what year you've had i mean talking of festivals you played glastonbury you played a ton of festivals yeah um how has your summer of festivals been so far oh it's been amazing especially glastonbury i think for me that was like a thank you <laughs> cheers that was like a bucket list festival and then to do it with a number one album that week and going in and just seeing how many people, like, I didn't think anyone would turn up. I still have that, I still have that thing in my head where I'm like, I asked my tour manager, is anyone there? And then I walked out on stage and there was a ton of people there. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. And the gig went really well. And then I got to enjoy the festival as well. So amazing. That's so good. I'm so yeah. happy for you. Thank you. And also congratulations on your number one album. Yeah, crazy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do, as no. as we all know. To get a number one in such a competitive and oversaturated market at times is no mean feat. Did it feel as good as you were expecting? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I've worked so, so hard for it. And um, I put everything into this new album. And I really felt, felt like when I was writing the album, I came out of my shell. And this is my third album, so I put two out already. And I felt like this was the one where I was like, I could express myself as the way I wanted to express myself. And I was like, this is me and and, uh, and I hope people love it. And and it's been receptive really, really well. So yeah. yeah, they definitely do love it. That yeah. is a fact. Yeah. Why do you think that is that you were really able to go there and express yourself this time round? Do you think it is just a matter of incrementally building up confidence to feel like you can say who you are? I think so. And also the place that I'm in. I think my first album, I was like, just got out of university, didn't really know what I was doing and had some success with it. With that then came the second album and I was in a whirlwind of loads of different different things, with, whether it was with drink, whether it was being around the wrong people and just doing silly things. And then I had success with the, with the second album. And then obviously COVID happened and it, that gave me the chance to really evaluate what I wanted and how I was going to go about myself and what I was going to do. And I just got a mindset of that. I want to be a champion and I want to work as hard as I can do because this opportunity that I've got doesn't come around ever really. And I feel like I've won a lottery ticket and I want to keep hold of that lottery ticket as long as I can. So I was like, the only thing I'm going to have to do is step out of London for a while, go home to my mum and dad, stop drinking, got myself really, really fit. I'm still on that path, like with my life. And it's been amazing. And good things just are happening, whether that's with my personal life, career my life, and I just want to be a nice person. That's all I want to want to do. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a really important one to put on the list because often when you're looking at a goal and success, yeah. and we've seen people do it, you can elbow your way to the top. You yeah. don't really care so much about what happens to other people around you. Yeah. But it's so important to bear that in mind. For, not even just for everybody else, but for your own sanity, to know that you're, you have a moral compass and that you're using it as you navigate your way to this goal. Definitely, yeah. 100%. It's a big one. Yeah. And also, I love the idea of really keeping your mindset in tune because 
it's all well and good being very good at something and working hard. But if your mindset isn't right, yeah, you're just not going to end up where you want to. No. And it's a really, I'm not even saying that flippantly. It's a really hard thing to do to stay in a positive mindset because everybody who's got goals will experience challenges and hurdles and things that don't go right. It's really hard to keep your mind in a positive place and to keep your goal in sight without a critical voice coming in because we've all got that you know you want to do something and then you've got this horrible voice going oh you're rubbish you can't do this how have you mitigated that voice i have used a thing called flipping oh yeah so if i have a thought that comes into my head i flip the thought so if the thought says that i can't do this or i'm this person or i'm gonna be i don't know it's i always say to myself no i can do that and i will do that I think it's like putting a negative to a positive. And um, I learned that by doing therapy for sure. And um, every time that I have one of them negative thoughts that come in, I just flip it and I go, actually, I can do that. And the little voice in your head is the enemy that you can always beat if you put your mind to it properly. I like that. Next time any of us have that horrible negative voice, just think of Tom Grennan and just (laughs) flip it. Just flip, flip it. it. You just send it away. Bye it's, bye. it's harder than like it's hard at the, at first because then that thought will always like I don't know just fester. But when you really do flip it properly for the first time, you're like, oh wow, like this works. Well, it definitely works for me anyway. So it takes practice, essentially. For sure. Doing it again and again until mm-hmm. it becomes, I guess, more automatic rather than a forced thing. But yeah. It's totally doable. Yeah. Yeah. It's so brilliant. Um, let's talk about therapy because you've been incredibly honest over the years talking about your mental health and the fact that therapy has hugely helped you. Is that something you still do regularly? Yeah, every week, at least once, maybe twice. I think it's important for me anyway, like just to be able to speak about things, whatever it might be. For the past couple of months with how life has been, it's been hectic and I've had to kind of like, I don't know, find an answer for why and why it's all happening. And just also find like myself a little bit as well. I can always like see see the end goal. But like for me, therapy always just says just step by step. Don't run at it. I'm like a dog with a bone. I want it, want it, want it. But just take my time step by step. And yeah, that that's what why I do it and why it helps. Yeah, we had Johnny Wilkinson here this morning and I know many of you enjoyed that chat very much and he was talking about exactly that, saying, you know, whether you've got goals or not, taking things slowly, moving slowly yeah. is the key to actually feeling okay rather than rushing urgently and racing through the day. Yeah. For what? It yeah. doesn't get us anywhere. So yeah. again, that's something I guess we all have to practice, just practice moving more slowly and not rushing our way through the day. Yeah. I'm imagining that Therapy for you was something that at times you really needed, dealing with anxiety. And also you talked in the press a lot about the fact that you were attacked at the age of 18, which was not only mentally damaging, but physically as well. Yeah. Has that still been something that recurs, that causes you problems cognitively? Definitely. Definitely. Um, When that all happened, that was the first time I really understood what like mental health and like depression and, and things like that were. Um, cause I was always, always that kid who was like bubbly and loved, loved life. And I still do. But when that happened, I just 
everything just caved in. And I just thought, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. So therapy definitely helped. At, the, at first, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to somebody I don't, I don't know. Like this, this ain't for me. I don't want to, I don't want to talk and say what I'm feeling to somebody who's now going to just be like, it's all right. But actually it worked out that like, I had to find the right therapist for sure. And then um, just go into why it happened, where I am at like now and, um, and how to move again, move forward with it always. Like it's always going to live with me, you know? And it was traumatic, like it was really traumatic. And then it happened again, which brought back so many of them feelings from what I thought I'd kind of understood and not buried, but understood and, and, and learned about. And then it happened again. I was like, oh my God, I'm going back to where I was, but I'm good. And I felt like I can actually just say, do you know what, for these people who have done this, I thank them because it allows me to understand and, and gives me a few lessons as well. Like you said, it when you've been through something like that that is challenging, it, it might live with you for a long time, maybe forever. We don't know these things. We just got to take a day at a time. But when you've got something like that in the background and it's, you know, it was in very formative years, you were 18 years old the first time it happened. How do you navigate fear? Because I think fear is really destructive when we've got it in the background, when it's causing anxiety, when it stops you from moving around freely, doing what you want to do. What's your relationship like with that fear? Um, I've never really thought about it, but like I'm quite, I'm a scaredy cat as it goes anyway. Do you know what I mean? But I think if I'm nervous or if I'm, if I'm afraid or if, I'm, if I have the feeling of fear, I just flip it. That is what I do. I honestly just go, everything's going to be all right. I'm surrounded by good people and whatever happens, happens. But I know that I've just got, if, if, I, don't, I don't really know. Fear, I've never really thought about that. What about the anxiety? How does that show up if you feel anxious? I can't sleep. <laughs> Ditto. I, yeah. I, um, the feeling of just being, being like I'm sick all the time. I cry a lot, if I'm going to be honest. Um, and I just feel just like I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. But again, I kind of kind of look at it like the ocean. I love the ocean, and waves come in and co and go out again. And sometimes it might be a rough wave, and if you can ride the wave, then amazing. But if you're going to get swallowed up by the wave, then allow it to swallow you up for a minute, and hopefully then you can pop your head back out and go actually. I'm all right again. Yeah. And um, I'll hit the next wave when it comes. It's a really, really good way of thinking about it. Just knowing that it might come back, but you can cope and you'll get through it. And it's all right to be a bit uncomfortable for a while. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. How have you found being in the public eye? Because obviously you love getting on stage. You love singing. You love songwriting. You love making music. That is in your blood. It's in your heart. The other bit of it comes along for the ride, whether you <laughs> like it or not. Yeah. So how... How, does that cause you more anxiety? No, nah, I find it funny. Do you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I find it so funny. Um, I love when when people come up and say hello and say that they're into the music. And every time that happens, I'm like, yes, like I'm doing something good, and it's making people happy. I've never really thought of myself as 
famous or anything like that. Um, the past like month where all my friends and family are going, wow, things have gone mad for you. I'm like, yeah, they have. <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah it's good. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Are you taking pauses or moments to actually go, oh, yeah, this feels great. I'm enjoying it. Because again, like how you were describing earlier, being a dog with a bone, I'm definitely like that. If I've got an idea, I want to do it, I'm yeah. urgent. I'm not even thinking about what's going on around me. I'm just headed in one direction. And I do forget to stop and go, oh, I'm actually really enjoying this. Do you yeah. find moments where you can pause? Uh, no. Right. I feel like, uh, again, I always like have the next thing in, in, in mind. My mum actually like sat with me when my album came out and she said, you need to take things in and you need to understand like what you've achieved and what you're, what you're doing and have a moment just to breathe. And I've been on stage recently, I'm like, I'm, and I've told the crowd, I'm like, I've, I've said, my mom's told me this and I'm gonna do it right now. And I just stood there and just looked out and it's been amazing. How cool. It is cool. It's so wonderful. Yeah. But it's really good you're taking it in because I think so many people just race through their career trying yeah. to reach the next goal. And they look back and think, oh, my God, I wasn't even present for any of those yeah. beautiful things that I experienced. Yeah. I mean, one amazing moment that I think you're probably still celebrating internally is being man of the match at yeah. Soccer Aid. Yeah, yeah. What a moment. Two on the bounce as well. Two on the bounce. Yeah. Let's just get that in there. <laughs> I mean, that's a brilliant thing. And obviously, you were going to be pro when you were a kid, right? You were on the way to be a pro footballer. Yeah, I played for a few teams where I thought that that was, was going to happen. And um, unfortunately, it didn't. But getting the chance to play with my heroes and in front of like 75,000 people was a dream come true. Not only that, like I've watched Soccer Aid forever. And to be involved with, with raising so much money is unbelievable too. And the whole experience, you just get treated like a professional footballer. Massages <laughs> every day. Oh, lovely. Yeah, like good food. Yeah. Um, it's amazing, yeah. It's so brilliant. Yeah. And as you alluded to earlier, fitness is something that's really grounding for you, yeah. really essential I need it. in your routine. So mm -hmm. when did you discover this and, and what helps you? Through lockdown, like I started doing the HIIT workouts like everybody else. But then I was like, oh my God, like this is my new drug. Yeah. Like, this is what I need. And then just carried on, carried on, carried on. And um, I don't do it for anything else apart from like it up here. And also I love like putting myself through brutal workouts. What's your, what's your thing? What, you, what are you doing? What are you saying? CrossFit is my thing. Yeah, explain this to me. I always hear yeah. about people, people who do CrossFit are so fit. Yeah, what is it? What are you doing? You're doing everything really. Right. It's like cardio plus weightlifting, swimming, everything really. It's, it's, um, it's a challenge. I've just signed up for a triathlon, so I'm actually like stopping the CrossFit. Wow. And now I'm doing a triathlon training. Yeah. Wow, we. Yeah. And you finding time to do all of this amongst everything? Yeah, like I've been at the moment I've been doing like in-store gigs. So like for record shops and stuff. We've been doing like two two a day. So after one show, I'll be going out for like a 5k, maybe a 10k run, come back, do the show. Like if wherever I can try and get a workout in, I'll get it in. That's um, brilliant. Yeah. And also, you cut right back on booze, or are totally not drinking. Yeah, no, I, I, I have a drink when, when I can. So like after Glastonbury, I had, I had a few drinks, 
But for me, like, that is what brings on anxiety. Yeah. I'll, if I have a drink, I'll be gone for a week and it's just not worth it. But I do allow myself, I'm like, I'll have fun with it, but I know what, what, what and where I'm going to be for the week. And I've just got to go, this is going to happen. I did have a moment where I was not drinking for a whole year and a half. And that kind of taught me a lot about like drink and all the other stuff too. And, and I knew that like that weren't for me. So yeah, when I can, I can, I will. But I love the fact that there's no drink here. Yeah, it's cool. It's really good. Yeah. And it's so strange because it's so ingrained in our culture. Yeah, I think that that's what it is as well. Yeah. Like, like I just, I just think we don't need it to have fun. Well, I don't anyway. No, I'm I better. I'm better when I don't have a drink. And when I do have a drink, I become loud and obnoxious and and it ain't for me. Do you know? What I mean, I was at Glastonbury. I was like knocking people's hats off. Like, no, don't, no one needs that at Glastonbury. Tom Grennan just knocked my hat off. What's going on? I mean, I um, I have a drink now and want to go immediately to bed. I yeah. just, I just want to go sleep. I'm yeah. over it. I don't want a beer anymore. Yeah. It's really weird though because also. When you stop and you know that you're doing it for the reasons that's going to help you feel fit and healthy and mentally well, yeah. you've got to deal with this strange situation of going out, if it's for dinner or going out to a birthday party, and everyone going, why are you not drinking? You're not having a drink. You're not having a drink. I know. And you I have know. to kind of constantly deal with that kind of commentary, yeah. which is, again, really weird. And I think that's and I think why... As well, I, I, that's another reason why I actually do have a drink on occasion. Like, for example, Glastonbury. It's been such a big week for you. You've had a number one album. Have a drink. I'm like, oh. in my head, I'm like, I don't want it. Yeah. But I'm like, everyone else is. And if I don't, then I'm like, people ain't going to think that I'm celebrating. So I'm like, all right, I'll have a drink. But then again, that's me and my own like, insecurities, I suppose. Yeah. And well, something it's... that I also need to work on. And I think I think I will get to a stage where I'm like, I'm done with like, with alcohol. My dad stopped drinking when, when I was born. So maybe with... If I have a family, yeah, I'll stop drinking. I just want to be the best I can be in, in every walk of life. So maybe I'll do it then. Who knows? It's still, like having a hangover with a kid is one of the oh, worst no punishments way. ever, by the way. No the day way. after I got married, my now 10-year-old was like 18 months old. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. No. The day went so slowly. It was <laughs> absolutely awful. But the thing is, so many of us, either have in the past or still do now drink and we notice that our anxiety flares up yeah but we don't actually do anything about it we think oh it's just what happens and yeah. then you you do it again the next week or you have yeah. another drink there at what point did you think oh god this is just not working this is not great <laughs> there's been a there's been a lot of moments where i thought this ain't working and, and stuff but i think when my mum came to london and was like you and coming home right um and I think when I just saw my work deteriorating, becoming somebody who I didn't recognize. But there's loads of moments where I was like, this, this is not who I want to be and I'm where I want to be at, for sure. I think also the other thing about socializing is if you do feel anxious in a social setting or a little bit nervous or whatever's going on, yeah. it takes the edge off. And that's yeah. often why I've drunk in the past at parties or whatever, because I feel so like, oh my God, I don't know who to talk to. Yeah. I actually don't even want to be here. Yeah. And then I'll have a drink to take the edge off. How was it doing gigs or going to a gig setting and not drinking for the first time? The best gigs of my life. Really? Best tours of my life have been wow. when I've been not drinking. I don't drink on tour. I go home, I come off stage, try to meet as many people as I can, but get in the car and go go to bed. It's hard to sleep after 
after the show, but I stick on Netflix and I end up falling asleep. But I think when I was when I was drinking on tour and stuff like that, I was just a mess. Like I remember, I remember doing a show in Dublin. Hadn't been to bed. Had a show in Belfast. Missed the bus to go to go to Belfast. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to get a train. No sleep. Got, got on the train and I was on stage and I was the crowd were here and I was like that. And I couldn't sing him. Like I couldn't. I had to have my back to the crowd because like I thought, oh my Jim god, Morrison. these people are gonna think that I'm an absolute nightmare. People still come up to me and go, that was an amazing gig. I was like, was it? <laughs> it's like, a bit different. That was that it was, was a bit different. Yeah, but um. For me, not drinking, and I'm fine with it. When people are having drinks around me, I'm, I'm, I enjoy seeing people have fun. I used to have the thing in my head, I want to be the loudest in the room. I want people to think, oh, he's such a legend. He's so funny. <laughs> now I'm just, I'll, I'll laugh at the people who are really drunk and, yeah. um, and, and have fun without it. You know? Yeah, and then you wake up the next day with Fresh. zero fear. Zero fear. Well, what mistakes have you made sober? Not many. Yeah, exactly. I you know. know what I mean? You wake up just like really fresh and innocent about everything. Yeah. Like, I didn't do anything bad last night. Yeah. Good times. Good times. I love it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It seems like you are navigating this insanely brilliant career that you forged for yourself really well and I'm not saying that in a patronizing no. way because I know from being on the radio back in the day and seeing bands and artists come and go it is relentless and the pressure is on and it really does seem like you're navigating it really well and I wonder if that was something to do with how you initially sort of started obviously you gigged in pubs for ages and that's a really good initiation into the sort of relentless work ethic that you need to be in the music industry but then the chase and status moment was really quick. So just talk us through that, how that happened and, and how you dealt with that initiation. Um, I'd never been in a studio before. So chase and status was the first studio I, ever, I had ever been in. And uh, I was still at university. So I remember getting the call that they wanted to get in a studio. And I was like, okay, cool, let's do it. And I was a massive fan anyway. We wrote the song and then the next week they were like, this is going to be the next single. You're going to be headlining wireless festival and i think wireless was like sixty-five thousand people or something like that and i'd only played in front of like 20 people and i remember getting on stage and and i had not talk for the whole day and i had one of my mates with me he was like you're gonna talk mate like you're gonna say hello and i was like I was, I, i'm just chilling and I, I, I was focusing like what how i'm gonna go about it i didn't want to have that eminem moment and just go because in my head i was like i could have done that but i stepped on stage and out out of the back i could see finsby park pub and like, I think six weeks before that, I was playing in Finsbury Park in front of like 20 people. So I saw that pub and I saw my dream. And I was like, yeah. And I went on stage, I bowled out and I was like, wireless festival, what's happening? Yes. And I loved it and it was great. And I was like, oh my God, I, I can do this. But I know that it's going to be hard work. And I know that I've got to put 
everything into it. And that's what I've done. And there was moments where I had, where my manager rang me and he was like, you're going to, it's slipping away. Like, you're going to have to really, really like, I don't know, fix up because you've got a talent. But I've seen a lot of people come and go, like you say, it's just how you go about yourself. And when I heard them, them voices, I heard his voice and I was like, oh my God, I don't want to lose it. So, yeah. And how important is it to have very decent people around you? Because again, most important. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, you gigging and doing festivals and working in the studio, you yeah. meet some people and you think, oh, you don't have good people around you and that's not doing you any good. I've at seen all. it. I've seen it. And it's, you know, when people haven't got good people around them. For me, I've got the best people around me. It took a minute, but I finally was like, nah, these, these are the people. Just keeps you grounded. Family as well, like, I've got the best family. But having them people just to say, everything will be all right. You're doing well. You're doing good. Keep your feet on the floor. And we'll work as a team to get me to where I want to be, but also to get everybody else to where they want to be too. I've got the best team around me. Like, a lot of musicians moan about them, their labels or their or whoever. Like, my label's amazing. And the people in there just work so hard. And I wouldn't be anywhere to where I am now without them people. So, yeah. It's really important also to not just have yes people around you who are oh, going to go, oh, Tom, you're great. <laughs> no, just do whatever you want. It's really, it's all, it can be humbling, but it's really good to have people say that is a bad idea or yeah. don't do that. It also get really annoying if people said yes to you all the time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd be it like, would. Oh, what? <laughs> You need something to rebel against. Yeah. Surely. <laughs> so let's talk about songwriting because I know that is, is such, it, again, it's like in your DNA that you've got things to say and you need to put it into song and that is your preferred way of expressing yourself. Yeah. How cathartic has that been genuinely for you? Have you had breakthrough moments where you've written a song and like understood something? I think understanding the puzzle of it. When, yeah. you, when you walk into a room, sometimes you walk into a room you don't even know the person in there. And then you like, it's like, like a speed dating thing. And then you meet and you're like, oh my God, you're amazing. And then you write this song and then it happens. And you, and you, and at first you're like, this just sounds like, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then it becomes this song. Your next single. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it becomes this song and you're like, wow. I think for me, I started writing songs that time what we already spoke about was attacked and stuff. The only way I could speak about it was through song. I used to come down the, into the living room. I didn't speak to my mum for ages. The only way I could speak to my mum was to write, write this song. And my mum listened, well, she sat while listening to my song and she was like, I understand now. And um, yeah. That must have been hard for your mum. If you, you know, because obviously it's a really awful thing. You don't want to bring it up. You don't want to yeah. talk about it. You want to push the feelings down. But hearing yeah. something in song, Especially as your mum, I, I can't imagine how moving that was for yeah, her. Yeah, so for me, like, that is my therapy as well. That's the yeah. way I can really, like, um, just tell people how I'm feeling. And, like, this new album's, like, all happy and, and uplifting and colourful and vibrant, and that's where I am right now. So, yeah, there's, I've, I've had loads of different different experiences with, with writing songs. Sometimes I've just left the room, like, in floods of tears I'm like oh my gosh that needed to come out sometimes I'm in the room and I'm smashing things up because I'm so excited and then other times I've left like going oh my god I can't do this but 
Whoa, that's some wind. That is. <laughs> That is a that is a breeze. Yeah. We're calling that a breeze. We're, we're rolling with it. We're cracking on until <laughs> someone says otherwise. Um, yeah. When are you most creative? Do you, are there certain conditions that you have to have in place so you can create in the way that you want to? Yeah, I um I can't do it when I'm really really busy. I need to like have a set time in my in my calendar. I go right. That's the date that I'm going to start, and that's the date I'm going to finish, and I'm going to have to turn something on. And it's the challenge of turning it on is that I think that's why I love the workouts and all that. It's the challenge of it. And obviously at first, that when that day comes, I'm like, whatever happens, happens. It's probably going to be rubbish, but we go with it. And then it will be a month or two where then I get the, I get in the flow and then it all comes out. Throughout the year, I might have little notes, voice notes on my, on my phone, just like, or like little song ideas, which then like I take into the room. But apart from that, like, no, nah, I'm like Sheeran, for example, he can write on the road, he can write where he, where he is. Do you know what I mean? Bloody Sheeran. Yeah, he's amazing. Yes. Whereas uh, my brain doesn't work like that. Like, I have to have one focus and that's it. Is it easier to write a really sad song or ha- a happy song? Uh, depends how you're feeling. For me, like, I, I write better uplifting songs, I think. I've never really released a, a ballad, a sad ballad. Maybe that's the problem. I just enjoy writing fun songs, if I'm going to be honest. There's one song on, on my new album called um, This Side of the Room, which is really, like I think, is my best song I've ever written. But I don't think it's going to be a single because I feel like um, I want to be a, I don't know, I want to be like energetic and fun when doing shows and that. And I don't think anybody's got time right now to, to listen to a sad song. So we want to be uplifted. We want to yeah. feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reminds me is my right old summer banger. Thank you. What Thank a you. summer banger. <laughs> yeah, like fun. get literally get me to Ibiza, but not near a club. No. Just like somewhere chilled, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, with yeah. good music in it. <laughs> so how are you gonna go about the rest of the year? You're you're gonna pause for a bit, you're gonna you are gonna take a bit of time out. Well, I'll go on holiday next week. Yes. For eight days. But I've already started to think about my next album and I've got the studio time ready to go. So as soon as I come back, I'm in the studio, got a few gigs here and there. There's talks of going to like Asia for the first time, but my main focus will probably be new album. I I don't want to go away for too long. I think the world moves too fast. And I don't know, I I, I look at music a lot like football. I look at myself in the in like the table. I, I, like, I write it down like who's at the top, where I'm at and where I don't want to go. I don't want to be relegated. And I also look at like time like that too. Whilst I'm in my prime, I might as well just use every bit of that prime I have got and just keep going until yeah. people get bored of it. Yeah. yeah. Does that scare you, that notion of like how quickly things move and that yeah. if you do take a beat, there's someone else ready to go? Yeah, definitely. But I think there's always room for more people. And I'm on my own journey and songs will take me wherever they may take me. And... I'll go wherever they take me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to wherever I go. So next album is going to be upbeat again. You reckon? Yeah, go big, definitely. Big dance right. bangers. Yeah, well, I don't know what it's going to sound like, what it's going to be, but when I enter the studio, whatever happens, happens, and we'll see where it goes. What if you have you ever gone in there and been blocked and just thought there is nothing coming out? No. Wow. If I'm going to be honest, no. Which again scares me too. 
I've left every sh- every studio session I've been in with a song. Whether it's it's not always been good, but I've left with a song. I've never like gone. Oh my god, I've got to leave. And I think that's because I have that time. That's the challenge. I don't leave a room without having a song. Um, but it does scare me that meant that writer's block thing. It definitely does. Yeah, I've only had it once with like obviously not songwriting, but writing writing, yeah. and it was horrible. How long did that last? Not long. I kind of wrote a book and then hated it and rewrote it, and it right. was all right. But yeah. it, it, I wasn't used to it. I was used to everything flowing nicely, so it yeah. felt like a shock. But I think also I probably learned quite a lot having that moment of yeah. having to stop because yeah. I there was no other option. But yeah, I I'm quite addicted to that feeling of things flowing really nicely and yeah. moving in the right direction. So those stumbling blocks possibly feel quite hard mm-hmm. when you're away. On holiday, can you switch off mentally? <laughs> no, nah, not really. <laughs> but I'm actually going to put my phone away. Yes. For me, that's that's like the thing that doesn't allow me to switch off. Because I'm looking at other people. Like, I'm looking like, all right, they're, 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 do you know what I mean? It's just competitiveness inside me, which I, I sometimes really annoys me. But I'm going to tip, put it away and just enjoy the time and and do what I said earlier, like sit back and sit and say, wow, things have gone really, really good. Yeah. And, I've, and I've got to take that in and, and be proud of that. Buy a little camera at the airport. Yeah. And then you can still take pictures. And you mm. just leave your phone in a safe. Yeah, that's exactly what I will do. That's my holiday hot take. Thank you very much. Everyone, that's what I'm going to be that's doing. in my pocket. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Um, well, look, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you today, Thank Tom. You. Before we all physically blow off the stage and fly away somewhere we're gonna um call this chat a day we've had a really really good stab at doing a podcast in a gale force wind i've never done it before and thank you all for sitting and listening to this lovely chat with tom grennan it's been a joy give it up for tom (laughs) cheers thank you so much Tom, I cannot thank you enough for such a thoughtful conversation. And thanks to those of you who came out and sat on the grass to listen, braving those bizarre winds. Tom and I appreciate you all massively. And a huge congratulations on the new album, What Ifs and Maybes. A reminder, by the way, that the Happy Place Festival will be at Tatton Park on the 2nd and 3rd of September. Loads more brilliant conversations will be happening there. And I really can't wait to see you lot as well. I can't wait. I'm so loving seeing all of your photos and videos and beautiful reels that you've made on Instagram of the festival. Please keep sharing them at Happy Place Official. It's just so nice to look at all these pictures and videos and relive the whole thing. Right, I want to say a massive thank you to Tom, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, who, may I also add, really hurt her knee and had crutches on the day, but powered on through this really hectic podcast recording. And a massive thank you to you lot for being such a crucial part of all of this magic. I love you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. 
This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com